Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well and today with the draft continually approaching, uh, we asked for questions for all from all of the listeners to do a mailbag, uh, another mailbag as we approach the draft. So we're going to answer a bunch of questions. This are probably the biggest mailbag that we've done out of all of them for sure, I think. Um, so yeah, just going to answer lots of questions um, from that uh, the listener submitted. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yep. Uh, as a reminder, at the top here, um, if you are still making your plans for draft night, look no further than Prep Pro NBA Draft Podcast. We will be live streaming on stu- on on Twitch a um a a live broadcast of the pod. Uh, should be fun, interactive. Uh, hopefully, a, a even a substitute for um, for the broadcast uh, shows on on cable. Um, should be should be a good time. Hop in if you can't make it. We will be recording it and uh, releasing it as a podcast as normal. But you know, join us. It'll be fun. Uh, should be some hopefully some better analysis than you can get on cable. Uh, and with that, uh, let's get started. Ben, from Dan underscore Olinger, we've got best fit with the Sixers, Malachi Flynn, Grant Riller, or Kyra Lewis if he falls. I went with Malachi um, just because I think that he kind of fits all of their biggest needs on the perimeter. Um, some sort of half-court pick-and-roll creation, um, shot creation and shooting. Um, all of I mean, he's not the, you know, the, the scorer. That, that Grant Riller is. And I just think he's a worse prospect than Kyra. But um, in terms of fit, I think he's definitely the best. Um, the Sixers, I think, could really use someone to, to create on ball in the half court. Um, obviously, really can do that, but he doesn't give you the shooting that that, Ma- that Malachi does. And then Kyra, I don't think, is as good on ball. So for, you know, just the, the pick and roll goodness, we'll talk more about Malachi, you know, in his pick and roll later. 
that and his shooting, I think being the best out of the three, um, would would make me go with Flynn from a fit perspective. I'm still kind of undecided on this. I think that they all offer different uh, appeal. Um, I, I think that I would say Riller at number one. Um, he, I think, probably offers the most on-ball scoring. Not probably. He certainly offers yeah. the most on-ball scoring. I think they definitely need that in the half court. Um, less of a good off-the-ball player than the other two. However, I think in the half court, they they really do need an uh, on-ball creator. Um, don't worry as much about Brent Riller, who I think is definitely the worst defensive prospect of these guys, just because Ben Simmons is a uniquely versatile uh, point-of-attack defender. Um, so I think Riller would be my preference. And then it's pretty close between Kyra and Malachi. Uh, probably would prefer Kyra to Malachi just because I think he's a good bit better. Um, but he, I think, honestly, Kyra probably slants more, more to the off ball than Malachi, uh, at least against, against starting units. But like I said, I mean, they all, they all offer different appeals. I think Riller for prioritizing that on ball creation is, is probably my choice. All right, so let's get into our next question uh, from uh, Mike Gribmanov at Mike Grib8. What is the biggest uh, or best trade for both sides that you can come up with? Can be realistic or not? Um, like, even if you don't think the teams would do it, but but you would do it, up to you. So what what trade did you come up with? I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. Uh, yeah, this tons, <laughs> tons of time spent staring at that Golden State trade exception. Uh, I tried to come up with with big, good, and realistic. Uh, so that was that was a lot of qualifiers there. Uh, I ended up with Thad Young four and forty four for the second pick. Uh, Thad Young going into that trade exception, the Iguodala trade exception to Golden State. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable price to move up, and then the Bulls get their choice of the top guys, which I assume in this case would be Lamelo. I think that's you know that's pretty reasonable. Thad Young is a good player; would help the Warriors. Um, they also get a a second with some value. Uh, a lot like a lot of the guys that I wanted to make work for the for the Warriors like kind of just missed that trade exception. Aaron Gordon just missed it. Um, the the best qualifier kind of took a lot of the Celtics trade ups with those three firsts out of um, off the table for me. Uh, and then there's just like there. I don't think a lot of teams necessarily should trade up. I looked at some Detroit stuff based around Kennard and Rose into the trade exception to move up from seven to get again either Lamelo or Killian or something like that. Um, but it didn't seem necessary or or advisable uh, or really even enough for for um, Golden State. And I certainly wouldn't trade a future first uh, to move up this year. So. I think that this this struck a nice balance between like it's a big trade early in the draft. Uh, I think it's pretty reasonable value for both sides. Makes sense for both sides. Yeah, I also struggled quite a bit with this one. Um, I also went the Warriors route, but I didn't go with the Bulls. I went. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I went a little less like realistic than you. Um, I went with two to the Suns for 10 and Oubre, sinking, putting, giving Oubre into that trade exception. I mean, similar reason the Warriors obviously trade down to 
land someone, you know, like Pat Will or Maxi or Hampton in that range at 10 um, and then get Ubre, who, you know, they just need players. And Ubre is certainly a player that I think could help them. And then the Suns, and, and, you know, in this in this in this one who, you know, Ubre's kind of been in trade trade rumors for a while. Um, they could land Killian or, or Lamelo, and I think really make a splash and try to push for like um, th- their future really hard here. Um, I don't think it's like necessarily going to happen in real life. Um, I think you can make a case that it wouldn't even be advisable just given who's going to be on the board at 10. But I think if they could, you know, I mean, I do have Lamelo and Killian in a, in, the t- in a tier of their own. I think both would be really fun next to Booker on the Suns. This is just kind of like an idealistic one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just struggled to come up with any at all. So that, that, that's what I had. I thought of that exact one. Uh, I don't really? I'm not really a huge believer in Ubre. I don't think that would be enough to move up eight spots. Uh, and then at the end of the day, it, it came down to, I don't know that the sun should really try to move up that high. Yeah. You don't need to do that for Killian. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought. It, it, yeah. It certainly seems like he's going to be gettable earlier. So, or later rather. So, you know, if that's the case, why, why give up a, a wing player who they seem to like to, to move up for no reason? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was tough to come up with trades. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that one is one that, that like floats around and, and it seems plausible, but. I, I it was I, I thought about it and and decided not. Yeah. All right. Next we've got from our pal TJ Ferrick. Uh if Deuce McBride uh was in this draft, where would you take him? Probably like late teens or early twenties, I said, like with kind of the ceiling, like late lotto, depending on the team. Um might surprise some people that might people like who like know my our work might think it would be higher because like I have deuces like a I don't know like a like this range in next year's stronger draft, but there is like a drop off after the lottery next year for sure, or after like fourteen fifteen, and like obviously you know ne- with deuce next year we're, we're hoping for some kind of improvement um, wh- when it comes to like his playmaking. Um, really, the playmaking being the the big thing, we're, we're hoping to see some kind of improvement from. But I certainly would take him. Like I, I mean, I consider him late lottery, like depending on the team, I think. But the most likely range is like late teens, twenty, twenty, early twenty range. So I mean, obviously, like he's a great prospect, and I'm, I am uh, a big fan, uh, D McBee fan, as my name on Squadcast says today. But yeah, I mean, I would take him like late teens ish. Probably is is the range for him. Yeah, I said like early to mid twenties. Uh, I have like late teens in, in 2021 as of right now, but that's pretty speculative. It's like, he's not going to stay there if he does not show significant growth as a playmaker. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, it, it's worth ranking him highly on account of the, the higher end outcomes that are there with him. Uh, yeah, I would, I would certainly take him in the first this year, but, uh, absolutely n- not crazy high. Uh, he, you know, he's he's got a lot of issues as a playmaker for a guy who's only like six two. Yeah, even if I'm not, even yeah, even if he is a despite a, his special skills, like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. love Deuce McBride, but trying to stay reasonable on him. Yeah, the TJ trying to bait us here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So our next question, um, from our friend Phil at Advanced Stats, Advanced Stats twenty three. Excuse me. Which player are you most worried? You're too high on. And which player are you most worried you're too low on? Uh, hi, I said Isaac Okoro and RJ Hampton. Okoro, um, maybe not put in a position where he has the ball in his hands uh, and is enabled to create in the ways that I think he can with the ball in his hands. Um, definitely some concern uh, 
that we we like I think that he's meaningfully different from from Jared Culver as a questionable shooting wing who is a very talented slasher because of his I think like really special strength and and um, finishing in a in a different style through that and that he's just like a, a burstier guy who is also a free throw rate monster uh, but definitely have concerns that that shooting really really inhibits Coro uh, lack that lack of length lack of elite length really inhibits him. And then Hampton, he just might not be very good. Yeah. Um, like there, there are a lot of, and that's kind of why I've got Hampton where I do in that like kind of end of the interesting uh, potential high value complimentary guys is that, yeah, he has incredible burst, uh, incredible stride length and ability to vary that. And I am high on him as, as a vertical athlete prospect and, and therefore kind of as a finishing prospect. And I like the trajectory that he's on as a decision maker, but like he might not be, a good enough shooter he might not be a good enough decision maker he might stay a terrible defender he might just not be very good uh so definitely scared yeah. about that and then guy where i'm worried i'm too low on i went with poku uh i still stand by that i think it's a little crazy to see him talked about in like that top tier of guys uh i think that like taking you know really taking him at the very top of the draft would be asking for a lot of trouble. I don't think that he can deliver that kind of impact. I don't think that he has creation equity. And I think that spending that kind of a contract on him would be kind of nuts. But uh, I might, I may just be underrating how his brands uh, of his, his style uh, and archetype impacts the game. The, the, uh, the idea that this uh, off ball three point gunner who's seven feet tall and can handle and transition and brings a lot of value as a defensive playmaker might just be more valuable than I think it is, even if there are a lot of technical issues. Yeah. Um, I also had RJ Hampton for a high. He was like the only like really obvious one I could think about. Um, it's just like he, like a, a combo guard that doesn't shoot very well and is bad at defense just might not be very good. Um, maybe I'm underrating or, Kind of yeah, underrating thinking there there might be a lower floor than I kind of give credit for uh, with RJ. I couldn't really think of another one for too how worried that I'm too high on. Um, I don't really like, like a core. I feel pretty safe about just because I think I'm pricing in that understanding of you know context being important into my evaluation of him and especially you know post draft and talking about like things like re ranks. Like I'll I'll change and understand that. So I, I went with um, Isaiah Joe, who I have in my top twenty. Um, who maybe I, I think there's a chance that I just like the frame concerns are even like more like worrisome and damning that I'm really giving them credit for. Um, despite, you know, my, my understanding that like I have him ranked that high because I, I think he's an upside bet, not because I think he's like as sure of a bet to be like a good player because of that frame as some people think. But I do think there's a chance that I'm kind of just – underrating how 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 limited physically he is and how far he has to go to become capable physically to really thrive in the NBA the, the way I think he can based on all his other skills and intelligence and all that. Um, I've been trying to tell you on that one. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to stay, but like I mean, I love I love Isaiah Joe too. I just think that that uh yeah there's there's some real downside there no i yeah i, I think so but like in, in again, like all like, in like all facets of the game that if his strength yeah really yeah which is like i think the thing where it's like the strength doesn't just pertain to like you know the on-ball defense so like his his finishing it's like everything it's it, it's the the range on his jumper or you know the how impactful his rotations can actually be and uh and all of that 
Um, but so yeah, I mean, I I'm pricing it in. I don't know. I might lower him, but I probably won't just because I'm not very enthused by anybody else in that like twenty. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have him much lower than you. I think it's yeah. having the same tier as you. Either yeah. Way. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm I do, I, yeah. I do think that the the downside with him has has gotten a little understated. Yeah. Um, but, but like, yeah, I, I also think the, I also think the upside's probably not stated enough. So yes, strong, strongly agree with that. Sure. Yeah. And then the guys who I'm too, thought I was too low on first uh, is is Kyra, who like I feel like sometimes I maybe I'm having kind of tunnel vision and missing the forest for the trees with him. Like yes, he has like a lot of issues at the moment, but like uh, 17, eight, and then an 18 year old who like ran a good college offense and was good in college both years, um, and, and did improve quite a bit from year one to, to year two. And I think you know maybe the pull up jumper isn't as good, um, or the ceiling on the pull up jumper is higher than I credit um, credit it. I mean, I mean, like I have confidence in the finishing not being um, good, which is a big problem for its on ball shops. Maybe there's more intermediate game than I'm giving credit for. Um, the handle, you know, passing, maybe they get too caught up in like the lack of advanced reads and, and the misses when there are some legitimately very good moments. So I think, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident in my, I, like, I don't think I'm missing like a primary with Kyra, like, but I do think maybe like, uh, there's a little more chance for him to be, you know, more on ball than I kind of think of. Yeah, and I think then, that's, yeah, that's a very fair call. I, yeah. I, yeah, he's a, he's a good example of maybe missing the um, the forest for the trees. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking about that. I mean, I've maybe I'll move him up in the next week or so, but like probably not because I still do have like a lot of worries. You know, d- despite saying that, that make me rank him. I mean, I, like I still have him like in the lottery. Like, so like I'm I'm not like crazy low or anything, but I, I think that's kind of like the spot for him, really. Yeah. I guess what I kind of say to that is that like these are different trees from the John Morant one. Yeah, where, like, a, yeah, yeah, like these these are more serious. Where Kyra's concern. not like, yeah, I mean, obviously not like a special passer or like like Jaw was. I mean, yeah, or, like even like the athlete really, in, you know, athlete in different ways. But so yeah, and the other guy, um, I had Anthony Edwards just for the sole fact that like I don't have him in my tier one. Um, cause I've got him like right at the top of my tier two, which tier one is just LaMelo and killing for me. Um, obviously there's a chance that, you know, I think with, with his kind of pretty special and one of a kind scoring tools, uh, for this class that he just blows through, um, any ceiling that's, that's ascribed to him and becomes kind of like a monster score. If, you know, he figures out if, if the handle tightens enough to the point and, you know, the wiring corrects itself to where he's going to the rim all the time and drawing tons of fouls and, getting tons of easy layups and dunks and obviously the pull-up shot making us there. And at that point, um, if the rim wiring is fixed, then hopefully he's willing to pass more. So maybe I, I'm just kind of not thinking about the upside enough um, cause, just because I am so worried about all of the the other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like kind of less of a concern. It was, it, was, it was also hard to find ones for like guys I'm worried I'm too low on, but I guess those are the two that I came up with. Ant would more worry me for being too high on him. Uh what if he's just bad also? Yeah, like, I think I, so. But like, I, I mean, I think by not having him in my tier one, that's kind of like yeah, yeah. The, the statement I'm, I'm making. Like, he's not yeah. the level of Melo or killing to me because there's like a chance. That I think he's just like not like like he's just like Dion Waiters and like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got I've got him still hanging hanging in tier one. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would I would be more. Yeah, this was an, an, yeah. This was an interesting. 
this was a good question and a good thought process, honestly, just like to check yourself really going through all these guys. Like, am I, do I think I'm too high or am I worth being too high or low on this prospect? And if the answer is yes, then should I move him up or down? Like, I, I think it's a worthwhile exercise just to go through for yourself on your own board. So. All right. Um, next question. Uh, next from Francis at Ben Thrifty. Uh, which prospects would you be most surprised if you're wrong about? Good, bad, or average? Uh, quite a few. Like that, I'd be like that. I'm expecting to be bad. That I'd be surprised uh, if they were good. Um, Jemias, um, Ibua, Oturu. Um, I don't think we need to get like too deep into those any of those specific prospects, but have you know belabored to death. The, um, you know, Jemias just really struggles in like a lot of ways besides like, you know, he's a good guard rim protector and can like kind of shoot spot ups, but like just doesn't do a lot. as like a six, three guard. Um, well, he does a lot. It's just very bad. Doesn't do a lot that brings like value. Well, it brings value. It's just very negative value. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Oturu kind of like the same, but like big man version. Um, Ibua just like is kind of gaining steam. I think a little bit, um, um, you know, with like some of like the combine numbers, I mean, quick, quick, quick rant. Like these like combine shooting numbers that people are like actually taking into account. Like my Lord, um, we've done like whole episodes on like the open gym shooting stuff. Like go check out our episodes with, with TJ Farrick. Um, but just like, don't take any stock into that. It's just don't like, I don't care. Not, like, not to mention much- it's a sample of how many yeah. shots. I don't care if like I don't care if Pauli Bua makes like forty eight out of fifty free throws. Like I'm not gonna draft him. Like yeah, yeah. like so. Paul Bua is not good. No, exactly. Or or any prospect who's like not a good free throw shooter or an average one normally. Um, and then average, I went with Sadiq Bay. Like I think he's I feel like pretty solid about him being like average to below average. Like I really don't have any FOMO with Bay. Like. Um, just like you know, just because outside of the shooting at, at at sides, which obviously gives him a gives him a floor, I just like don't really really see what else he does on an NBA floor. Um, and then good um, Onyeka, I feel pretty strongly that he's going to be a good NBA player, but not spectacular, which is why I, I don't really buy him in like the top three four range, but like six seven or eight where where I've got him, I think is pretty perfect for him. Um, and yeah, I mean those are those are the guys I had. For, for that one. So Max, what do you I only have? came up with guys who were bad, but I just thought of a few uh, for the other categories. Uh, okay. I had Jemias and Oturu for bad. I'm really confident that they're terrible. Uh, you could kind of throw Elijah Hughes in there as well. But yeah, I mean, he can at least like kind of shoot like. Yeah, kind of. Um, and he's but, like, taller than Jemias. Yeah, I'm really confident that Jemias and Oturu are not good and like not really NBA players. Uh, yeah. I Stuart I omitted from this just because he plays so hard and people love him. Uh, might hang around. Yeah, but, I didn't Yeah, but uh, Jemias and Oturu are like pretty clear to me. They're they're not good. Uh, average. I think Robert Woodard is the most like precisely fine player in the draft. He, he is just, like, kind of fine at everything. I wish everything about him was faster, that he covered ground faster, that he processed faster, uh, that he jumped faster. Um, but he doesn't. He's yeah. intensely fine and 6'7", uh, and, and, like, pretty well-built, like, and can kind of shoot. Like, he's yeah. really fine uh, yeah. and will be a fine NBA player. Uh, I would yeah. be very surprised if he's kind of anything other than just fine. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, for good, I'm very confident that Onyeka and Tyrese Maxey 
Arthur. Yeah, Maxi is what? Yeah. I even had Maxi on my list and just didn't read his name. Yeah, and yeah. for that matter, I'm I'm confident that like Bane is solid and Malachi is solid. Yeah, I'm, Maxi I'm definitely. I yeah. sacrilege for me not forgetting him. Uh, yeah, definitely Maxi. I believe in him. Yeah. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it's waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, next from at Willie Mo underscore twenty-seven. If you could add two inches to any prospect this year, who would it be? God, there's so many directions you can go here. Like this one took me forever. I, I mean, I don't really think there's a right answer here. Like, um, I thought about like like guys lower down the board that would just like kind of be fun. Um, I don't know, like make Christian Doolittle like six ten or like six <laughs> eleven, like like I don't know, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, but like I I also thought like 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 maybe like six seven Killian would be fun, um, like wing Killian. But I, I ended up going with uh, Vassell, like six nine Devin Vassell. Just like the ground coverage and like the range, like it's it's already unbelievable at like six seven, like. I think at first, like six nine, it would just be, like it would just be totally absurd, like like the boost to the rip, to rim protection. And then with like, I think that like genuinely also like makes a difference with like because like the, the the upside appeal is like difficult shot making. Um, and I think being two inches taller has like a genuine impact there. Um, I mean, there there were so many options. I think like a Coro Maxi, like um, even like Onyeka. I think like there's like so many ways you could go. But, but six nine Vassell, also just because I love Vassell and. Uh, he's he's my guy. So, uh, interested to see where you went with this one. <laughs> I went down a similar path to this. I went with Akoro. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, six eight Akoro with like a seven foot wingspan. Uh, <laughs> like he's basically then what I thought he would be defensively coming into the year. Uh, I like he becomes a wildly valuable interior help defender. Uh, no doubts about him on big wings then, and it enhances his slashing ability. Um, I'm totally in on on two inches taller Okoro. I think that he would have a very strong argument as the number one player in the class. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's probably a lot of guys. I think like, like an interesting question would be like, which like bad prospect could you get two inches to and make good? Like, that's a whole different thing. I don't I don't think anyone honestly. Like, yeah. I guess like Miles Powell becomes a good bit more interesting, but yeah. 
don't know. Like, I don't know. Or not bad, but like. Yeah, not I mean, top, not like top prospects. Malachi becomes a lot. Yeah, more. I was gonna say like Malachi. Is, is Malachi like close to a lottery guy if he's two inches taller? What about what if what what if you made Josh Green six seven like? Oh, that'd be nice. That's like yeah. that, That's a top ten pick. Oh, like, although actually, still has a lot of the very same issues. I think it matters a lot yeah. less for him than it would for Coro, to be honest. And and even Vassell for that matter. Oh, Onyeka Kongwu benefits a ton from. Yeah, Onyeka. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be huge. Like. Yeah, that like, would like mitigate all of the six eleven would like make him. Yeah, it mitigates all of the non-dunk finishing concerns. It enhances his rim protection. Yeah, it makes him you just the, the interior defense. That that would be that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are there are a lot. Yeah. Obviously. Denny. Would help all right. Him. Yeah. All right. Next one from hoops underscore NBA underscore. If Tyler Bay's shooting percentages are legit despite the low volume, what do you make of his potential? Uh, kind of depends what this means. If he, if Tyler Bay is just like a forty percent three point shooter, no matter how many threes he takes, then he's a very good prospect. Uh, yeah, if this just means that he can maintain like lowish volume and shoot forty percent from three, then it makes me more confident in him. It doesn't really change the the calculus that much, but it makes me confident that he has an offensive role where he can just spot up or yeah. stand in the corner and I think plays a role man a little bit. Um. Yeah, it makes me a little bit more confident than you can get his defensive playmaking. I don't think I don't think it changes the calculus yeah. that much. I kind of expect that he's going to hit spot ups at like an okay rate, and I don't think that he's going to shoot forty percent on high volume. If he did, he would be he'd be a very good prospect, though. Yeah, I pretty much the same answer. Like, if Tyler Bay keeps the same percentages and adds volume, then he's like a ridiculously good prospect. Um, like, yeah, like even if he's low volume, forty percent, like not that much of a difference to me like still like probably not like still wouldn't be a lottery pick to me like i think so yeah i mean not a huge difference considering like i just like besides shooting i just worry about like all of the other stuff offensively yeah yeah not not a good decision maker uh very skinny um lots lots of issues there um lots of issues defensively as well beyond the like really, really yeah. high, high, uh, high, high points high. as as a as a playmaker. A lot, lot of issues with with yeah. rotational consistency, and just awareness and yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, next from at marks underscore posts. Uh, there's been some Kyra Lewis buzz for the Kings lately. So Kyra Fox backcourt thoughts, or if nothing there, anything about what you do for next year or so as Kings deal with. Buddy Bogdan's RFA, Rashawn Bielitsa on expiring contracts, etc. I didn't really deal with like the latter point. No, neither did I. No, I don't. You'll feel confident enough to speak on that. Um, uh, Kyra and Fox, I mean, it would be pretty good. I think. Like, I wouldn't hate it. Like, I think at at twelve, like Kyra would be a pretty good pick. Like, that's good value for him. Um, Kyra and Fox, like obviously the speed. Like we talked about um, Kyra and Fox and their comparison on, on our last episode with, with PD. Um, obviously that, that comparison has flaws, but, um, would probably make the fastest backcourt in backcourt in basketball by a mile. Um, that would be, team would be really fun in transition. I also think it works like in the half court too. Cause like we'd like Kyra off the ball. Um, imagine like this, the speed of Fox breaking down defenses, um, which, you know, he hopefully continues to improve at as, as he, as he ages, um, and then the speed of Fox attacking closeouts or hitting spot ups, and then its ability to pass off of that. I think that would be really fun offensively. Um, I definitely would would worry a little bit about it defensively. Um, 
not really an ideal defensive backcourt to me. Um, I think you just want someone bigger, stronger um, next to Fox if, if you can, or like a bigger creator at some point you're going to need there. Like, for, I mean, for now, I think that'll be a pretty good pick. And like, I, I definitely wouldn't hate that. Uh, yeah, so I, I like Kyron and Fox. It makes a lot of sense in the half court to have a creator like that for uh, Kyron to play off of. Yeah, defensively, I don't. I would not say I'm well versed enough on on Fox's current level point of attack defense to know if he can really handle the best guards. Uh, but would be concerned based on what I've seen in the past of that defensive backcourt. Uh, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, fastest backcourt in the league for sure uh, would be a terror in transition. Uh, and I think yeah, I think it would it would help Kyra a lot in the half court. Uh, so I think it makes sense. I think it's it's a pretty good idea. Um, TBD on the defense, and then uh, the problem. The problem there is that, like, you know, what what are your what's your plan with with Bagley and, and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like at, at twelve, like I think like you're probably not going to be able to really address the long term plan as much as you'd like to. Um, I mean, maybe actually, given who's available, like if Pat Will falls, I think yeah, Pat Will, Poku, Poku, Vassell yeah. could conceivably be there. Yeah, I mean, if he's there, I mean, I prefer Maxi as well, but like, yeah. I mean, I I mean, again, like it's not a pick I would object to, like. I wouldn't. No, no, no. Not at all. All right. Um, next question we have at Stat Center. Top three guys with good prior shooting percentages who you're most concerned won't shoot well enough in the NBA. And we're going to do vice versa. The top three guys with bad prior shooting percentages who were most con- who were least concerned uh, won't shoot well enough in the NBA um, just because that was also asked for. So, yeah. So next. I took a. A pretty uh, like liberal interpretation of, of this question because I, I I don't know that there are necessarily that many guys who like shot well but are bad shooters. Um, I have one of those guys, but just I don't think will shoot well enough despite what their percentages said uh, to we'll say justify their draft slots or sure. succeed at the at the level that people think they can. Uh, that's how I how I interpret it for for good. Yeah. Uh, so first, I've got Paul Reed. I don't really think he can shoot, despite his his uh, shooting percentages. He's the one guy that I have who I don't trust at all as a shooter. Yeah, like high free throw percentages, hit threes, uh, massive hitch in in his jumper. Uh, like I guess he took he took some weird movement attempts, but I, yeah, I don't I really mean, he did shoot like under thirty percent from three this year. Oh, I didn't even. Yeah, okay, I didn't. Yeah, even I was gonna say I didn't before. think you. I didn't think he was a good shooter. Like like he's like a, a an average free throw shooter and like a bad three point shooter on low volume. I thought his free throw percentage was better than that. It's seventy five. Um, okay, so yeah, you. I would say you probably definitely have. Yeah, I would say like project, projecting yeah. shooting for okay. Paul Reed. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, if you're taking like like seventy five point six percent free throw on on fifty nine makes, then no. But like, yeah. Yeah. So Paul Reed, I don't buy him as a shooter uh, at all. Um, and then I've got Neesmith. Just because it's it's just like such a given that he's not a 53 percent three point shooter. Um, that if you you know if you look at those freshman year numbers, they're a lot worse. Um, that he doesn't have uh, pull up ability, and just that his entire appeal hinges upon uh, ridiculous percentages on movement shots, high volume of movement shots. It's just like yeah, if he's really really good at those, if he's at like the ninetieth percentile in the NBA. If he goes in the lottery, like he probably isn't even living up to that pick. 
Um, and that's yeah. if he's amazing at it, which he very well may not be. Like there's, and that's not- if you know, uh, in, in the that it's, that's if he's he's amazing and a team commits to you know using him that way as well. Yeah. So which is a problem we've talked we've talked about at length on this pod. So so I think to justify the where he's picked, and to to really like be successful in the NBA, I, I think he's really going to underperform those prior percentages. Like I. I think that if you, I think if you asked a lot of people, they would probably kind of by default say that Neesmith is no doubt the best shooter in this draft, and I don't even think he really has a case for best shooter in the draft. Yeah. Um. So I think he's going to massively underperform uh, those percentages in his sophomore year, uh, and I think that that's really going to hinder his NBA value. It's one one of many reasons why I do not. Yeah. Like him. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And final good one I have is Peyton Pritchard. Uh, this one I feel like is pretty obvious. Not even a consistent three-point shooter throughout his time at Oregon. Uh, finally, this year did shoot well, but his shot diet is just so difficult. Like he's he's definitely a pretty good shooter, but the shots are, the attempts are always going to be so impossibly difficult that if he does last last in the NBA, which I'm skeptical of, he's gonna I think gonna be one of those guys that you see massive swings in efficiency from him, uh, just because surviving on a shot diet that difficult, like we've talked about with. Heuristic stuff is just not really viable, uh, especially not as a, as a small guard like that. Uh, so I definitely don't think that he is a good enough shooter. Uh, or or I, I think that his his percentages, at least from his senior year in Oregon, definitely overstate uh, what he'll be in the NBA. Uh, you want to do your good ones or should I do my bad ones? I'll do my good ones. I'll, I'll, I'll comment on those. I mean, Reed, I, I didn't have I agree with. Neesmith, I, I also have for the same reasons. Pritchard, I mean, yeah, but like over his career, he's like thirty-eight percent um, on like a pretty stable sample. Like, I don't think that's that outrageous. Like, thirty-eight percent on like seven hundred and fifty-five attempts, which is like exactly how many you need to be stable. I don't think that's like that bad. Um, I mean, like, yes, I think his senior year percentages are pretty outrageous, but I, I, like, he's a really good shooter. Like, I think, like, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I like agree that like it's probably like he's not that good of a shooter, but like I think like. He's going to be a good shooter. Like that's kind of like the only thing he really has. I think. Like, one yeah, of- he's. I think he will be a good shooter, but I think that this shot diet is going to drag those percentages down a lot. Uh, just because I don't think that he's ever going to get high, yeah, I mean, high quality looks. I mean, that's, um, that's possible, but I think yeah. He, and it, so if he's consistent, he's good enough. Like maybe. Yeah, there's a chance, but I, I, I don't really think that he will. Yeah. Pre- pretty much by virtue of, of the quality of shots that I think he's. Got. All right. So let me get into my yeah. Like I also had Neesmith. I put four just because like I had a lot to think about. Um, a couple like low volume guys. Like I I had Tyler Bay just because like I, I I'll say like I was probably went less liberal than you. Um, while still going kind of liberal, but like I was a little like more true to the question. I think um, Tyler Bay like not going to shoot forty percent from three. Uh, Caleb Wesson I had for the same reason like not going to shoot forty percent from three. I think. Um, and then I also had Jamias, like, 42% from three um, on, like, 65% from the line. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be that good. And, like, this also, like, definitely hits on the good enough where, like, I think he needs to be, like, a really, really good shooter to stick given, like, what else he can't do. Like, if he's, like, a 42% three-point shooter on high volume, then maybe he can stick. Maybe. But, like, even then, I think it has to be, like, really good because of what he can't do in terms of, you know, self-creation or playmaking or defense. Like, so yeah, I mean, Jemias was the other bad, like bad one I had that I, or good, one that has to be, has to be good. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I thought about Jemias, but I do think he is actually a good spot-up shooter. Um, 
it, it's just like yeah, it, relative to what he needs to. Got to be really good. Yeah, he's got to. Yeah, he's got to be great. I mean, he's got. He had pretty much has to sustain the percentages. Yeah. Three, despite it the doesn't the, seem super likely to me, but possible, I guess. All right, the bad guys. I'm sure you have my first one as well, Tyrese Maxey. Very confident yeah. in him as a shooter, in spite of those Absolutely. freshman year three point numbers. Um, yeah, not really any any worries there due to his track record, touch, uh, mechanics that are flawed, but but pretty easily fixable. Um, willingness to shoot, you know, everything, uh, free throw percentage. You know, he 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 has a, a very strong shooting profile. Um, no concerns there. Uh, Zeke Naji didn't really attempt threes at Arizona, but shot well on long twos. Shot well on free throws, has very good touch. Uh, a little bit flawed mechanically for sure. Um, like shoots post apex a lot, I think. Um, but I am pretty confident in Zeke Naji as a big man shooter. I think he'll be pretty solid. Uh, not like anything special, but pretty solid. Uh, pretty solid shooting big man. And then finally, I've got Christian Doolittle, another guy who's really weird. Shot well this year on a low volume of threes, but in the past hadn't really shot them doesn't shoot spot ups ever but i guess i'm confident in christian doolittle as a shooter um he's a he's a great pull-up shooter uh he like has a mechanically sound jumper and is quite large uh so i guess i'm pretty confident in him as a shooter even though he hasn't really taken threes uh until this year yeah i doolittle's a good one i didn't have to think of doolittle but like uh, I do have like a good amount of confidence given like he was like the best six foot seven plus pull up shooter in the country. Like I think he's gonna be good. I also had Maxi um and Najee as well. Like I think those are two really obvious ones. I kind of struggled for a third one, so I went with Killian Hayes. Because like 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 you hear about like the twenty nine percent three like as a concern from some people where like um I just don't see his shooting as a concern really at all. Um, where, you know, he's been a, an incredible free throw shooter for like his entire youth career. Like for four years, he shot like high eighties on good volume. Uh, he's obviously made huge strides, you know, t- turning his off dribble mid range game into an off dribble three point game while he's still a prospect, which is a thing that a lot of, you know, you, you see that off dribble mid range game in, in prospects and you say, I'm banking on that turning into an off dribble three. Eventually Killian's already done that. Like. Yes, the, the spot up drags down his percentages and he's got to clean that up, but that's the thing he can do. Like, I, I, I'm not worried. And, like, he's another guy who, like, isn't going to need to shoot a crazy high percentage because of roll. And, like, even I think if he transitions more off ball, his percentages are going to improve. So, yeah, I mean, Killian is the other one. I'm like, I'm like, have no real worries about his shooting. And that is, like, a concern that I've seen brought up, not like crazy widely, but I think, like, more in the mainstream, that's a concern that you'll see with him. Yeah, I thought about Killian. Didn't end up including him, but but I, I yeah I considered him pretty strongly. Uh, in it, go back and listen to our to our two part Killian extravaganza with PD. But we talked about the shot. We're we're all pretty confident in it. Um, I'm less confident in it probably than Maxi. Uh, but but yeah, pretty pretty confident. The, but like I mean, I'm like very confident in Maxi though. Like yeah yeah I, yeah I'm hugely confident. In that hugely confident. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Um, okay, so this is from Danger Cart. Uh, from what I can tell, Josh Green is 6'6", athletic, a good defender, an acceptable shooter, and even an okay passer for a wing. All the raw materials, 
the current NBA wants? Is he not a top 10 prospect because his name is too generic? <laughs> no, um, he's not a top 10 prospect because I just like don't have a lot of confidence in his half-court offense. Um, the shooting, like, well, um, you're correct that um, the, sh- the shooting is acceptable um, in a vacuum. I don't know if it's acceptable for his role given his other limitations because um, the, the finishing and the slashing is, like, really a problem. To where, like, that would be less of a problem if he was a better shooter and, like, vice versa. Like, the shooting would be less of a problem if he was, like, even, like, a normal bad or, like, mediocre finisher and slasher. Because he's so bad as a finisher, um, that that hampers the passing because, like, defenses can just kind of play the pass and ignore him as a scoring threat. Like, defenses will do that, I think, if Josh Green ever gets to the point where he's playing high leverage minutes. Um, they'll just, like, say, okay, Josh Green, go score. And he's not going to be able to. But, like, yes, like, like the passing is great. Um, the passing is one of the like better wing passers in the draft. I think, I think the shooting, I, I think he like, could shoot fine on spot ups. Like I, I think he'll be fine there. And then like, obviously like the defense is incredible, but yeah, I mean like just the offense uh, is limiting, especially like talking about his wiring going back to like well before college at, at every setting and every level he's had, you know, troubles with being aggressive and sustaining offensive engagement. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the main concern with Josh Green, but I still like Josh Green a lot as a prospect. Like he's in my third tier in my top 20. And like, I'm as a fan, he's one of my favorite guys. So that, yeah, that's like kind of like the cool it a little bit on Josh Green. Yeah. So I, I guess Last week, when when this is coming out, I I went on on Ryan's podcast with with him and and Brian Rob and talked about about this like exact question. Um, so go check that out, Winning Plays Pod. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh offense with Josh Green. It's all offense. Uh, I'm not huge on a shot. I think spot ups can be there in the same way that they can be there for Denny or or maybe a Coro. Uh, but yeah, his finishing is next level bad. Uh. True, next like level, next, next level. Yeah, I be, I believe the number is seventh percentile half court rim finishing. Um, uh, it, it, sorry, half yeah, seven. No, no left hand at all. Yeah, yeah, two two I think left hand attempts all year at the rim. Uh, he takes the ugliest ugliest rim attempts. These two handed, just complete panic uh, heaves at the rim from two feet out. Uh, always trying to contort and shoot reverses with his right to avoid finishing with his left. Just a terrible finisher. Um, I don't think there's a ton of reason for optimism there. But he does have a nice little runner game. He has nice touch. Uh, spot up will maybe be there at an okay level. Like Ben said, really, really nice wing passer. Um, not like not brilliant. I think a clear step below a Coro, but but definitely good. Um, really quick processor makes some incredible redirects um and just like you know generally very very physically talented guy that he has really good contortion uh uses his length super well very strong best hips in the class by far yeah and just that sort of comes together to make him a really exceptional defensive prospect again not quite to the core of a cell level but but not far behind that uh, just a, i think a much worse offensive prospect than those guys um but the general idea is, is is a fair suggestion. Like like we talked about on our, on our best plays podcast, which I would definitely go back and check out. Josh Green is a good prospect and a worthwhile bet in the sense that once you get past Okoro and Vassell, the your wing options that are actually interesting are Josh Green and Isaiah Joe. And Joe brings his own problems on both ends. 
yeah, I mean, for a team that like really needs wing defense, like I think like lottery is reason. Like, like I talked about, like the Pelicans could like very reasonably go with Josh Green at thirteen. I mean, for for any team really, because every team in the entire league needs needs uh, you know wing pieces, like amorphous wing pieces, and that's certainly what Josh Green is. So I think Josh Green is very justifiable at any point. Um, he's good. He's a really good defensive prospect. He's a pretty bad offensive prospect. But if you're confident you can get him to shoot spot ups at an acceptable level, then he's a he's a very solid prospect. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a really good prospect despite his flaws and has very unique and valuable skills. Hmm. All, All right. right, next one. Yeah, do you, should this be our last one on part one? Sure. Yeah. All right. From cool. at MagaQ seventeen. What's the difference between Precious and Paul Reed? I see Reed ranked way lower despite being better offensively and bringing similar defensive value, and he might actually be the better defender. What do you think, Max? Uh, I think the general idea that they're kind of comparable is fair, but I think Precious is a lot better. Um, so I think Reed misses more rotations. Um, he is, I think Reed is kind of fake mobile. I don't think he actually moves well laterally, and I don't think that... Uh, he always covers ground smoothly. Uh, much more role concerns with Reed. I don't really think he's a five. And what, what the, you know, beyond the the missed rotations, um, what what comes into play is that are with, with that are his size uh, and strength. That Precious is just larger and longer and much stronger. Uh, and then motor. Precious plays incredibly, incredibly hard all the time. Uh, and while he has a lot of flaws and like. You know, has has no touch. Is a terrible decision maker. Um, is very very jumpy as a perimeter defender. Playing hard does definitely cover up for that in some respects. And Reed, I think, has a very mixed motor. Um, so I, I don't know. Precious, Precious is a good bit better, but they're they're kind of similar, and it kind of gets at why I don't really love either one. Yeah, I think Precious is a good bit better as well. I'm just kind of a different level athletically. Um, like, like, like Reed is certainly a good athlete in a lot of ways, but Precious is pretty special. Um, and you know, his, his straight line mobility and explosion and even like the movement is better than the perimeter movement and switchability is better than Reed. Yeah. I mean, I just like the, the, there's an easier role comparison might like, might not, I, I think I don't even necessarily agree that like Paul Reed's a better off- offensive player. He might be more skilled, but I think Precious fits into a role better, like I, I, yeah, I, I, they're both bad. Yeah, yeah like a rim running role man. Like Precious, like is like might be like a little bit of a better handler and a better passer, but I don't think that's like very functional translating up. Like I, I don't, I don't know that that's true, but it doesn't matter. Like Pre- Precious is, yeah, Precious is a role man, yeah. and like I don't think a very good one because of no. the decision making issues and touch issues. And but I don't even know what Reed is. I mean, I, I think Precious is just like a better prospect on both ends, really. Like, but like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're like comparable. Like I've got them in the same like kind of range like i like think they're both not that great but yeah I I, precious is better i guess at this point actually i've got precious a, a pretty solid amount higher than reed i've got you know i like if you're drafting precious purely to be a center and you are going to really constrain him as a decision maker and just really not let him do a lot of things i don't really have that much of a problem taking him in the very late first but yeah. paul paul reed like I don't really want to draft Paul Reed. Period. Yeah, unless you like the Raptors taking him late, like the Bucks, like the Heat, like just the yeah. in the G League and Ray. Like, I still have no clue what he does, um, and just generally don't like 
think he's that good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Formerly a Paul Reed guy. Um, well, I, w- I was a Paul Reed guy last year. Yeah. Formerly. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, not, not, All right. not a Paul Reed guy. Yeah. All right. Should we call this one? Uh, yeah, let's call this part one. All right. Uh, part one of this, I think we're planning on making this a three-parter. Um, mm. More of this uh, mailbag. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened and sent questions. Um, if you didn't hear your question called today, likely will be answered on one of the next two parts. You can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Uh, follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And with that, um, we'll see you all next time.